This is the Mobile Home Park Lawyer Podcast with Fur Neiman. If you're looking to generate wealth and passive income in the lucrative world of mobile home parks, you're in the right place. You'll discover solutions to the common legal and operational pitfalls and how to optimize parks to maximize income. Your host is in the trenches. He's a real estate attorney, financial analyst, and mobile home park investor and operator. Now, let's turn it over to Ferd Neiman. Welcome back, Mobile Home Park Nation. Ferd Neiman here again today with another episode of the Mobile Home Park Lawyer Podcast. My, my guest today, he's a longtime mobile home park owner-operator, real estate investor. He's a syndicator. Uh, he happens to hail in the, the state of New York, so interested to hear about that. Please help me welcome my guest, Jeff Cook. Jeff, thanks for coming on the show. Thanks, Bert. I appreciate it. Thanks for uh, bringing me on. You got it. Well, I know a little bit about you, but uh, some of our audience may or may not. So maybe tell us a little more of your background and how you got into MHP in particular. Sure. So I started off in real estate back in the late 90s with um, apartments and uh, single-family homes. Did that for about all in the city of Rochester. Did that for about 10 years. Um, sold everything right before the the crash of uh, 2008, um, so we had real good real good timing on on that one. Uh, started buying some um, more commercial commercial real estate and offices, uh, small re- small retail. Bought my first park in uh, 2000, 2008 2009, right around the crash. Um, took me didn't take me long to realize how how much I really loved the business model of, of mobile home parks. Um, we bought a primarily a senior park um, up near uh, Watertown, New York. <clears throat> um, it wasn't huge. It was like maybe 35 pads. We still own it today. Um, mostly seniors, mostly newer homes. Uh, the park itself was built in the late 90s. And uh, it was great. I didn't, didn't have much to do. And, you know, I had come from a background of apartments that were um, a lot of inner city apartments. So where the management was very intensive. Um, and this, I wasn't getting... I wasn't getting any calls at all, you know, no, no broken windows, no missing keys, anything like that. So, so we kept buying more and more parks and just kept growing and growing um, and just buying as many parks as we could. That made, that made sense. That's great. Now is your, your entire portfolio is in New York, isn't it? That's correct. Yep. We're only in New York state. Got it. So t- tell us about that. I know for the rest of us, you know, Midwesterners or others, it's like, oh, don't, don't go to New York. There's rent control, lots of, Lots of red tape, very, you know, restrictive government regulations, but you've obviously been able to navigate it here for several decades. So uh, convince me to uh, invest in New York or, or maybe you don't want me to, maybe you want to keep it all for yourself. But <laughs> tell, us how, tell us how that's different than uh, the rest of the world. So in New York is definitely more difficult than, and now we've never operated in other states. So I just have to, uh, you know, take what I hear from other people. But that uh, nav- you know, navigating New York and working in New York and doing businesses New York- in New York State um, is difficult. Um, there's a lot of regulations. Um, we have rent control uh, that was passed about two years ago. Um, so yeah, there's certain challenges. I think where me and Brian, my brother Brian, who's our CEO of the company, where our um, our strength lies is that we're we were we're born and raised here. Um, we've been we've been doing real estate here for you know 20 plus years. And, uh, we're, you know, we're used to it. Um, we, if, if new regulations come up, come around, uh, the corner, you know, we do what we have to do to, uh, to navigate and to make whatever changes that we need to make to, uh, continue to be successful. Um, you know, rent control went into effect last, uh, would have been summer of 2019. 
and you know everyone thought the world was ending and to be honest with you for us it hasn't been hasn't been great but it hasn't been horrible um fortunately most of our parks were already at market rent so the, the rent control um didn't didn't cause us a lot of issues um we can raise we can raise rent three percent by right um every year so that's that's what we've been doing um probably the biggest impact for us on rent control with rent control has been um, essentially the state took away the option of uh, rent to own, which prior to rent control for us was a big way um, for us to uh, to sell homes to our residents um, on contract. So now we, you know, we're still bringing a ton of homes in. Um, last year we brought in 75. Um, for 21, we were bringing in 200. Uh, for 22, we'll probably order somewhere in the neighborhood of about 250. So prior to rent prior to rent control, we could do you know, installment-based contracts for those homes. Now we can know we can either sell them or rent them only. Um, so what we're doing is we're we're doing a lot of rentals. We're probably about eighty percent rental and twenty percent uh, sale. Um, so we are working to sell more homes, but um, again, it's kind of one of those things, like I said earlier, where you know we they put a roadblock in in front of us, and we ended up going from doing ninety percent rent to owns. We're now we're only doing we're doing, um, you know, 80, 90% rentals. Um, so our, our challenge is to get more sales done. Uh, so it's something, something we're working on. It's just uh, taking a little time to, to get those financing structures in place. Sure. And it can be a challenge in general. Have you guys looked at the rent credit option and, and, and then this, and then sale through 21st mortgage or someplace, or is the, the regulation preclude even a rent credit? Yeah, it does, it does include the rent credit. So what happened is, is they, if you, if you evict, so you can still do it. Don't, don't get me wrong for it. You can, we can still do rent to rental credit or rent to own. The caveat is that if we evict a resident at the, at court, they can ask and demand all the rent to own payments be returned. Okay. So it could be a significant expense. So that's why we just stopped. We're just like, we're not going to do it. Um, right. They could wait five years and then say, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm going to quit paying and give me back the last five years. Exactly. And it's absolutely payment. ridiculous, but I mean, it's not the first time that, you know, someone in New York state has come up with such a genius plan. So, um, but again, we, you know, we bob and weave and, and figure it out. Um, so yes, yeah, so we are looking at other financing alternatives. Uh, 21st is one of them. Um, triads, a couple of other uh, financing, you know, third-party financing groups. Um, we've actually toyed, toyed with the, the possibility of setting up our own um, debt fund to finance, uh, finance new, you know, newer mobile homes. Um, haven't gotten there yet, but we're, we are talking about it and thinking about it. Interesting. Yeah, there's definitely a, a shortage in the marketplace of viable debt options. There really is. I mean, yeah. it's unfortunate that they took that option away because, you know, for the lower income resident who wants an affordable house, you know, say under $10,000, there's no one, no one's going to finance that for them. No bank is going to finance them. And the only alternative is, is the, you know, is the mobile home park uh, community owner. Um, so now again, you know, we're those older homes. We're not renting them. We'll we'll actually, you know, take a take a loss just to get rid of them and 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 sell them to the residents. Sure. Yeah. Now tell me a little more about rent credit. That's interesting. You're definitely dealing with some challenges there. It sounds like you know how to navigate them. But on rent credit or on um, on rent control, excuse me. How does it impact? How is it impacting you on pro vacant lots? You so said you're bringing in lots. Are those lots subject to the same rent control as the existing lots? Or can no. you say, okay, current lots are 200. Any new guy I can hit 400 because he never was paying the 200. The latter is correct. So it's, okay. it's, um, it's only leg legacy residents that are um, <clears throat> protected with rent control. 
So if we, if we have a vacant lot or, you know, someone moves out of a, a park owned home, we can raise rent to a market. And I, I'm going to assume that the rent control, if I'm one of those tenants and I'm le- and I'm legacy and I'm kind of grandfathered in, I assume if you sold my property, I'm still grandfathered in. The next guy can't increase my rent. Is that accurate? Uh, the next um, mobile home park owner. The next land, yeah, next landlord. That's correct. Yeah. Okay. That's correct. Yeah, that doesn't count. <laughs> so basically, for people that did not have their rents up to market, let's say market's five hundred dollars a month, and if the if the rents are two fifty. They're kind of stuck. They're never they gonna. They're never gonna catch up to market. And if they sell it to me, I can never catch up to market. So I'm not gonna pay them a premium because the, the best I'm gonna get is three percent. Correct. At least until the state government figures out this was a bad idea and then reverses, reverses the rule. What is there any rumblings of that? I mean, not not right, right now. Not right now. I think it's too new. Um, you know, we're hoping for a, a Republican governor. Um, you know, come election time next year. Who, who knows? We'll, uh, we'll wait and see. Um, hopefully if, if that does happen, that'll, that'll change the tide a little bit. Yeah. I mean, because rent control is, as, as you know, more than most, I'm sure has been tried and tested many a time over the last hundreds of years. And I'm unaware of an instance where it actually achieved it. That it doesn't work. It does. It does the opposite. It actually, um, you know, prohibits affordable housing. So. I mean, we're, you know, here in New York, you know, we're, that we're in the affordable housing, housing market. And, um, you know, we're, you know, market rent for our, our communities are in that, you know, low to mid, um, for, you know, high, high 400 range. Um, and, you know, the, the, we like it when the market sets that rate. Um, but, you know, fortunately, fortunately, all of our parks were at, are at or near market. Um, so it hasn't been a huge issue. Um, you know, it's funny, we did actually, we had a park under contract um, rate when rent control was passed and the rents were, it was two parks together, same owner. One of the parks the rent was like $175 a month. And this was only like two, two years ago. The other one was there was, was like 200. And so, you know, we, we, of course, we're going to, you know, take a few years after we close to raise, to, to raise the rent, to get it up to market. And when they passed rent control, um, we are like, me and my brother, like, oh my God, we just lost like a million dollars. Cause you know, it's going to take us 20 years to get all these legacy residents up to where they should be. Um, so fortunately, the uh, the seller actually decided not to. He wanted he changed his mind, even though we were under contract. Decided not to sell, and um, we, were, we we actually got out of it. Really? Yeah, good for you. Good for you guys. Yeah. But you know, I, you know, on, on the whole subject of rent control, again, we're certainly not for it. Um, but it does. You know, I know a lot of groups out there. A lot of community, you know, a lot of community owners are um, you know raising the rent like significant amounts. Um, you know, overnight and. You know, I just, you know, in my own opinion, that's, uh, it bothers me a little bit, even though, you know, the rent may, the rent may be 500. Um, you know, I heard of a park where it was 200 and overnight they jacked, they raised it to $500 overnight. And, you know, that's, I mean, I think sometimes that, you know, we as, as park owners, um, we always have to keep in mind that there are, there are people living, you know, living in, in the mobile home parks and that it's not just, it's not just all about the numbers. There is a, you know, a certain portion of it where, um, again, where there are, there are people and families living in, you know, living in the, in the community. So. Um, no, it's a good point. I mean, yeah. not only is there a you know human aspect and treating people with dignity and respect, but even just from a business aspect, it's like, it's you're going yeah. to ruin it. You're going to ruin it for everybody. I mean, it happened, exactly. in, happened in Iowa where a couple of big companies yep. jacked to run up on one case thing was every park in the whole County. Wow. And the people had nowhere to go. 
And guess what? They're talking about rent control in Iowa all of a sudden. It's like, and now they've got lots of poster boys. So it's yeah. like, you know, it's kind of the old game theory. Yeah. Of, you know, come on, Mary guys. Not that you want to collude, you know, obviously, but like, look, if we all make reasonable rent increases and, and make reasonable enhancements to the property, yeah. then we're all going to be in this business for a long time. If one yeah. guy or two guys was out there and, you know, is a bad guy, well, we're going to be the payday lenders, you know, or used car salesmen yesterday, and none of us want to be that, right? No, right. So. Yep, yep. No, I think yeah. that's, that's good. And that's what, what happened here in New York State. There was a, one situation where it was the tipping point, and um, that's what caused the, you know, rent control to, I don't want to say cause, but it, I, it, was, a la- it was the last thing that happened before, you know, rent control legislation was, was passed. Um, so. Got it. Jeff, what other, you mentioned you're bringing in a bunch of homes. What other, so that's obviously a key operational strategy to increase top line revenue. And then also of course, NOI, what other tips and tricks can you share? I mean, you've got a lot of experience, a lot of parks. Um, what other tips can you share for our listeners that you've learned over the years? Yeah. So, um, you know, we always try to, cause now since we can't, um, you know, cause of rent control, we have really have two options to drive NOI, NOI growth, um, either by infilling vacant pads excuse me, or uh, just management efficiencies. So, you know, you know, doing the infill, we're, we're really good at that. Um, we, we, we've done it a lot. Um, we have our own site crew that does, does all of our work, a couple, actually a few site crews that do all of our work for us. Um, and then the other option that we also do, you know, in conjunction with the, with the infill is just trying to be more efficient in the management. Um, generally, we find, um, depending on who the previous owner is, we usually can squeeze um, quite a bit of money out of um, repairs and maintenance. We find that, um, you know, a lot of the, a lot of that gets bloated um, just because the previous owner maybe is just going to the, the easiest contractor to get to, not really negotiating price at all. Um, we also find um, oftentimes that, that payroll tends to get a little bloated, um, especially for some of the longer term owners. Um, so those are two, two big areas where we, uh, we try to, to squeeze a little bit and and uh, bring some more money to the bottom line. Got it. Makes sense. Now I know from our previous discussions, you're also a syndicator. You're, you've been raising money for years. You got a big capital raise going on now. What tips yep. can you give us for raising money? Um, you know, presumably you don't have one rich aunt that's giving you five million at a time. You've got to beat the yeah beat the street. Uh, Obviously, with the credited investors, it limits who you can ask for funds. But yeah. what, what what strategies do you use to raise either a big amount of money or you know a reasonable you know relatively small but still a big amount of money in short order for a project? Yeah, um, it's communication. You know, uh, talking to talking to our potential investors. Um, you know, every almost all, well, I would say probably ninety five percent of our investors they 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 want to talk to me. Um, they want to just get you know get a feel for for who I am and get to know me a little bit better. Um, you know, so much of the, of the passive investment community um, and how, how and who they invest with is, it's really all about trust. Um, you know, they got to trust, they got to trust me. They got to trust that we're buying the right properties. They got to trust that we're um, going to operate those, those properties in the best, the best manner possible. Um, and that we're going to, you know, do what we say we, we we're going to do. Um, as far as tips, um, don't, don't try to raise money over the holidays. Um, we, we launched this fund in October and my plan was to, was to raise heavy for about a month or so before uh, Thanksgiving and then take the holidays off. Um, but we had, we weren't planning on really buying any properties until after the first of the year. 
but we had a, a, a two portfolio park uh, property that came across our desk and it was perfect for us. It was perfect for the fund. Um, but, but we needed to raise some money. So I was raising money to, in between Thanksgiving and Christmas. And we actually closed on the property on December 23rd. Um, rated, and we, we had about a week or two before uh, closing where we, we raised the last amount of money. So, so that was difficult just because everyone's focused on other things, you know, ho- you know the holiday stuff, family. Um, we got it done, but nonetheless, it was not, I wouldn't, I wouldn't repeat it again. Um, other tips, uh, you know, I don't know if I'm doing it right. I know we're being successful. I don't know if I'm being at the, the I don't know if I'm doing it the most efficient, um, but I, I spend a ton of time just talk on the phone um, talk, talking to prospective investors. Um, and again, I don't know if that's it's probably, I know it's not the most efficient, um, but I like it, man. I, you know, we, we take, when someone invests, you know, a dollar with us or a million dollars, we are, I take that very seriously. I take that responsibility very seriously. Um, cause again, they're trusting us with their, with their hard earned money. So, um, it's important to get to know them. No, I, I agree. That makes sense. I mean, I, I'm the same way. If I take the dollar or somebody's money, it's like, I can never lose this. Not just lose it, but I'm like, I have one project. I'm like, look, we need to focus on this because we we quote committed to so many infill and so many yep. months, and we need to do this and this, or we're going to fall behind. Yep. And I only got one reputation to lose. I don't feel exactly. like losing on that deal, you know. It's right. like, I joke is that you know I played baseball as a baseball player. You get three strikes as a syndicator. You get one. So I don't feel yep. like taking the first one yep. because yep. you know it, you can never go back. Yep. Right? It's just. Uh, no, and, and it's, you know, for it, it's taken us 20 years to build our good reputation or very good reputation. And um, like you said, you know, one bad, one bad, uh, one bad deal. And, um, you know, it goes down the tubes. Um, so, but, you know, I mean, it's also too, you know, everyone's no, we're not going to hit grand slams. We're not going to hit home runs on every deal. You know, there's going to be some singles and some doubles. Um, and it's not always going to go like this, like we expect it to. Sometimes it's going to go like this a little bit. Um, you know, there might be some zigzagging and, and, and what I want an, uh, an investor to know from us is that they're trusting that they're, again, that they're trusting us, um, and that we're going to do, you know, we're going to do the right thing to get it back on track. So, um, it's not all going to, it's not all going to be perfect, but they got to trust us, you know, you and me to, to do the right thing. Tell, tell me Jeff also about, and we've talked about, you know, kind of communication with investors. And that's obviously important. Tell me about your communication structure with your team, because you've obviously had to scale. How do you, how do you scale as far as growth when you get to employees? I've, I've seen your, your website and some of your other materials where, so I can kind of feel for how many employees you got. It's not just you and your brother and no. an assistant, right? There's a, there's a full team. Full team. How do you, how do you make sure that the team is doing what you want and how do you stay up to speed on knowing what the team is working on? Yeah. So we, right now we have about 50 employees that includes our office staff, our site crews, and our on-site managers. Um, so all of our finance people are here in the office. We have a we have a controller, and then we have several people um, doing accounts payable, receivable, a couple of uh, staff accountants. Um, so that's all great. They're all right here. If there's any questions or any issues, I can um, I can just walk down and see them. Um, we of course get me and Brian. We of course get monthly P and Ls from our our controller that we review. Um, on a you know on a monthly basis to see if there's any any uh, blips or any issues that we need to be concerned about. Um, as far as the operational side, Brian is our COO, so he runs everything. He has a, a director of um, operations um, who all of our uh, regional managers report to. 
Um, all of our onsite managers, of course, report to the regional managers. Um, in general, our regional managers are running anywhere between five and 700 pads, um, depending on the, on the level of management that's uh, required. <clears throat> um, so how we stay, I stay in touch primarily from talking to my brother and to Jim, who's our director of ops. Um, but at the same time, you know, our, our doors are always open. If Brian's unavailable or if there's a question that he can't answer, um, our regional managers come into, come into my office on a, on a pretty regular basis um, to ask questions. Uh, so, I mean, we feel pretty, we feel good. We feel good about knowing what's going on. Um, we feel, uh, we feel well-informed. Um, and, you know, also, you know, always, always, if there's an issue, you know, it, it does always, it always percolates to the top eventually. Um, but like you said, the, the goal is to try to get that before, before it gets to us. Um, you know, I like to say if an issue has gotten to my desk, um, someone didn't take care of it, you know, soon enough. So. No, that makes, that makes yep. sense. That's, yep. that's, that's, I'm going to start using that phrase. If it gets to my desk, somebody else didn't take someone care of it. Someone else messed up, you know? Yeah, yeah. But, you know, for also, too, you know, and a lot of people don't do this. We, we have our website, on our website, we have me and Brian's phone number and our email addresses. Um, so, you know, again, you know, whether a resident, an investor, or an employee, they can always contact us uh, anytime. Oh, wow. Yeah. I try to hide the email. In the, I try to hide the cell phone number from the, <laughs> from the not from the employees, but from the residents, because what I've learned is they won't take no from a property manager if they can get it, they can ask me. So over time, like I used to have my number out there for all of them. And then they'd say, can I put a shed here? Yep. And the manager would tell them uh, no, or the manager would say, I have to ask for, well, then pretty soon they learn, oh, well, this guy can't give me the answer anyway. Right. Right. I got to wait. So they'll just call me say, Hey, I, can you come by this afternoon? I need to let you look at my shed. I need to look, I'm thinking about putting a fence in here or, you know, can I paint th this color or something? I'm like, why are you asking me this? And they're like, well, cause I know you're the guy that has to give the yes. <laughs> I've, I've really tried to learn like, you know, you know, give my team autonomy, give them delegate powers to them. Not just Absolutely. like, look, I don't, you know what I think on colors. I don't want neon pink. Other than yeah. that, I don't really care if it's blue, light blue, gray, beige, white, brown, maybe even purple. But yeah, come on. No, there's no neons though. Yeah, neon. We have one community though where we uh, we ended up going an all neon. Believe it or not, um, are all multicolored. It was a Hispanic community, and they're like half of them were already painted, and they were painted orange and turquoise and pink and greens. And it, you know, one of those in a suburban style park would stand out like a sore thumb. But when yeah. half of it, they said, you know what? And we painted 25 houses, 25 different colors. And it, wow. and it looked really cool. It was, you never would have thought so, but it, it, people people liked it. It, just, it just created energy. You know, just I would love to see some pictures of that. I should get some. I should, should, I yeah, should. send me some. I'd love to see it. Yeah, I should do that. Um, actually, I think I've got them somewhere. Some of them. I would love to see them. <laughs> right. You know, for oftentimes it does happen, though, where, where you just mentioned where a resident will, they don't like the answer they got from the property manager, so they'll, they'll call me or Brian. And that's the first question I ask, I ask them is, have you talked to your property manager? And if they say no, and then of course I say, well, you need to talk to them first. Cause like you said, we like to give as much, you know, we, we like to give a lot of authority and power to, to the, to the regional managers to make those types of decisions. Um, but oftentimes they come back to us cause they, again, cause they didn't like the answer. So <laughs> it's one of the negatives of having our number on the website. Yes. That's, uh, I've, that's why I've had to switch it because it's yeah. like, I cannot be getting, and then sometimes they'll get, sometimes they'll give me, one time they gave me a call three times in a row, right when I sat down for dinner with my family. 
And I was like, who's blowing me up? And I yeah. went over there and I answered the phone. It was the same person. I said, what's yeah. not? I go, I got a violation for trash in my yard. This wasn't in my yard. I, you know, I've only had it there for a day or something. I'm like, you're literally calling me three times a row because I didn't know about it. I, mean, I didn't, the manager gave you violation. Right. He's right. supposed to, but I was like, okay, this, this policy has to, has to yeah. change. Yeah. No, I know. I know. Anyway, that's good. But before we part, Jeff, any other tips or tricks or horror stories or good stories you want to share? Um, tips, tips, tips. I, I think, um, you know, with, with real estate, whether you're in, in the mobile home park space or storage unit or anything, I think you got to, uh, if you're not a passive investor, you got to go all in. Um, you know, we, we picked up a lot of deals over the years, whether it be apartments or, or storage or MHP, um, where, you know, someone's trying to do a full-time job and, uh, you know, and be in this, in a, in a real estate, uh, as a real estate owner and manager, um, you know, I think, you know, do what you do best and, and stick with that. Um, you know, and that, and that's one of the reasons why we're, we're sticking with MHPs just in New York, you know, just in New York state for right now. Cause that's where, you know, we got a ton of confidence. We got, of, uh, you know, a lot of, um, you know, a lot of help here with our various contractors and our employees. So, um, you know, kind of stick with, stick with what, you know, um, as far as horror stories, I'd prefer we could go, we could do this for hours, man. <laughs> I was going to say, if you tell me you don't have any, I'm going to say you're lying on there. <laughs> I do, man. It's just, all of them are so, all of them seem so long. I mean, I, I don't know. Um, you know, I think, you know, the one, the one we had an issue with a mobile home park down in uh, outside of Binghamton. And it was one of those ones where I said, we kind of went up, we kind of went up and down a little bit. Um, and I don't know if it's a less, if it's a good lesson or not, but so it's outside of Binghamton. It's about 15 minutes outside of Binghamton. And the previous owner had a contractor there. They were using for everything. I mean, they were paying them like four or five grand a month. And this is a hundred, hundred unit um, park. So, you know, obviously the R&M budget's just, you know, shot. And so the first thing we said, is, listen, we want to continue to use you, but you, you got, I mean, your prices are, are outrageous. Um, he said, too bad. Uh, if you don't like our prices, go elsewhere. And I think what he did is he actually blackballed us from, from a lot of the other um, site contractors. And we have, a, we had a heck of a time finding people to, to, to do work for us. Um, so I guess maybe that would be something, maybe you don't piss off the, your, piss off your one and only contractor um, uh, in, a, in an area that's, you know, somewhat on the smaller side. Um, Cause it took us a long time to get, to get that park turned around um, by you really by using utilizing our own guys uh, we would have to send send them down there for a week or so you know put them up in a hotel um, to get the job done so sometimes it's better to go slow you know oh that's that's good advice I've run into not the same issue but a little bit of an issue where if you're in a more remote area like okay it costs 1500 to build a deck and you go get a bid and they say 4000 you're like what it's 1500 <laughs> yeah. I, I built 50 decks last year and then they're right. like what's well, 4000 here and you go to get three or four of their bids and the other guys like i don't even i don't want to bid you know yep. like, the guy's the only game in town yeah yep. and it's just like I, he knew that right yep. so i'm like i didn't know that i didn't budget for that i thought it would be reasonable I thought exactly it was you know yep. so Yep. Definitely, uh, definitely not fun. Yeah, we, were using this we used him for a little bit and he was like his his equipment and his man time was like twice as much as what we were used to paying. And it just I mean, you know, a lot of it came down to for a lot of it came down to principles like we know how much things cost. We know they're not that much more expensive in this area. You know, why, why are you charging so much? And 
sometimes principals can get you in the trouble just just like they can save you, right? Right. Yeah. He he was taking advantage of you for sure. He was. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Well, Jeff, thanks again for doing this work. Where, before we part, where can people find you if you want to? You, you know, you got your website. Maybe tell us your website or email or however you want to be contacted. Yeah, sure. Thanks for it. So, uh, website is uh, cookpropertiesny.com. Um, they can also email me at uh, jcookproperties at gmail.com. And that's just the letter J C O O K properties at gmail.com. All right. Sounds good. Thanks again, Jeff. Thank you. All right. Bye now. Bye bye. You've been listening to the Mobile Home Park Lawyer Podcast with Ferd Neiman. Ready to learn more? Go to www.themobilehomelawyer.com for free resources and materials to help you succeed. If you love the podcast, go to Apple Podcasts, give us your review, and subscribe today. Thank you for listening. Neither the Supreme Court of Missouri nor the Missouri Bar reviews nor approves certifying organizations or specialist designations. The choice of a lawyer is an important decision and should not be based solely upon advertisements.